Today is Mother's Day, a day when we all traditionally honor our moms. I'm not sure what kind of mom you had. One that you have wonderful thoughts about or ones that uh, you struggle with. But I am really grateful for the mom that God gave me. She's been with the Lord for just about 20 years. But I am so grateful for her, her influence, her love uh, for me, her love for the Lord, and the way that she prayed for me. So I hope you get to honor your mom, if she's still around. And just thank God for all the things that, well, she did to encourage you and strengthen you on the journey. I've also been reflecting and thinking about this whole COVID pandemic. I think we all still are. As I talk with people, their responses are so varied. And I wonder, I wonder what God's teaching us as a country I wonder what God's teaching me. I ask those questions. And I think at the very least, I need to be vigilant. I think we all need to be vigilant. We need to ask God why he's allowing this, what we need to learn from it, and how we can be salt and light in a world that's uh, confused and discouraged. You know, today... Uh, we are going to finish up our study in the book of James. James is all about believers putting their boots on the ground. They are finished with boot camp and ready for active duty. It's all about deployment. James had a unique perspective, though. He grew up with Jesus. Jesus was his brother. Yet in spite of a wonderful home life and a great mom... He was slow to respond to the good news and to the gospel. James did not grow up believing that Jesus was the Messiah. And in fact, probably didn't even come to the Lord, come to receive Christ as Savior until after he talked to his brother once the resurrection had happened. I wonder how James's lack of response actually affected Jesus. What would it be like to have your own brother reject the beautiful gift of life you had to offer? James wrote the letter to Jewish believers about 12 to 15 years after his conversion. Life in Jerusalem at that time was rather harsh especially for a Messianic Jew, a Jew that trusted Christ as their Savior, as their Messiah. The Roman Emperor Claudius persecuted the Jews. Jewish businesses were boycotted. Jewish children were mocked and thrown out of schools. Not only were these Christians subject to Roman ire because of their Jewishness, but they had also been driven out of their Jewish communities themselves because of their faith in the Messiah. You would have thought that James would focus on comfort, perhaps even coddle the suffering and the confused. But he didn't. His letter is filled with strong exhortations. James was intense. There are close to 60 imperatives. 
in this letter. James did not suggest. He commanded. He shares in a way, I think, that a drill sergeant would speak, exhorting believers, those who have authentic faith in Jesus, to make a difference in their hostile worlds. He was focusing on these believers' spiritual immaturity. I bet in some ways, well, about 10 lessons ago, when I shared that, some of us might have said, whoa, what? if this is really a letter written to those who are spiritually immature, why, why would we look at it? I mean, some of you may say, and I've been walking with God for a long time. I know Jesus. Why would we read a letter or take 10 weeks to look at a letter focusing on spiritual immaturity? This book has rocked my world. As I have read James' word, his inspired word, I've been convicted about so many things. And James knew that although there were really wonderful Christians, Christians that loved God, there were Christians that were just simply not growing up. They were not responding well in the crisis. These are folks who knew about God, his word, but really didn't obey it. James is so convinced that a genuine faith in Jesus shows. In other words, your calendars and your checkbooks reflect your relationship with God. Jesus' followers just don't wear the jewelry, just don't have the cross necklace on. They have boots on the ground. They are on a mission. This study had to shake you up. Perhaps it showed you a need for a Savior. Perhaps you had never come to faith in Christ before, and you've taken that step during this study. Or maybe you realized your hypocrisy, your immaturity, or your lack of faith. And God has used that to develop a deeper relationship with himself. Or perhaps this study has just inspired you. Whatever the reason, James didn't pull any punches. Probably because he saw what was at stake. He wanted these Christians to thrive, no matter what the circumstances were. So he passionately poured out his heart. In almost all of our lessons, we have seen how highly influenced James had been by Jesus, especially when Jesus taught his sermon on the mount. James is on the same journey as we are on. We are learning from Jesus so we can live like Jesus in our world. James focused, even though it's a short book, on, on 12 themes or 12 truths. For today, I'm going to review five of these truths. I'm going to help us understand what I think are the most important themes in James. His words are so practical and so perfect for our times. But before we jump in, let's pray.
Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. You are king. You are robed in majesty and armed in strength. Oh, Father, your reign is now and forever. For you, O oh Lord, are supreme over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. For you are a great God, a great king above all gods. Let the earth rejoice. Let the nations tremble. You sit on a throne between the cherubim. Let the whole earth quake. May our world praise your great and awesome name, your holy name. May we exalt the Lord our God, bow low before you, for you are holy. May we publish your glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone the amazing things you do. Tell the nations that you reign. Great is the Lord, worthy to be praised. Let all nations tremble before you. You will judge all peoples fairly. You alone are creator, redeemer, and sustainer. We give you thanks for your blessings and the breath you have graciously given each one of us. We repent of our sin. We acknowledge, God, that our selfishness has sometimes ruled. Our foolish behavior has hurt you and others deeply. We have listened too often to the enemy's lies rather than your loving voice. We ask you, Father, for your forgiveness. And thank you for your grace and mercy. We continue to cry out to you, Father, for healing. We ask for healing for your church. That we would be less divided and more focused. That we would repent more often and depend greater on you. We pray for healing for this nation. This last week, Father, we prayed this last week that you would work in this nation, that you would draw this nation back to yourself. We are grateful that the church gathered all over this country and talked to you. We pray, Father, for the healing of our world. We know that it's confused. We know that it's afraid. We pray that you would draw all peoples, all nations to yourself. And we would ask that you would use these dark days to draw all to your loving arms. We pray, Father, for our leaders, for those who are in government, for those who are over us in our jobs, in our employment. We pray for those teachers who are working with our kids and pray that all of these leaders would make wise choices and that you would direct them. We pray for our scientists as they work on vaccines 
We pray for success for them. And we pray for our caregivers, those who tirelessly give of their time in order to help the healing happen. We pray, Father, for those who are suffering, for those who have this disease, this virus, for those who are suffering with other diseases. And we pray for mercy for those who are dying. We pray that your people will shine brightly in this dark time. Father, we want to come and worship you now. To bow down before you. We want to kneel before our God, our maker, for you are our God. We are the people that you watch over the flock under your care. We ask you to teach us today to open our eyes. And we pray all these things in your Son's name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. The first truth that I'd like to share from you or focus on in the book of James is that troubles have a purpose. So be glad when hard times come. Let me read from James chapter 1. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to them or those who love him. You know, we all want our lives to be comfortable, easy, and safe. We often bend our knee to the cultural gods of comfort, ease, and safety. We often pray for these very things as we talk to God, our Father. And we hope for a life, well, that is filled with comfort, ease, and safety. But life is hard. Sometimes it's hard because of our choices. Sometimes it's hard because of the folks around us and their poor choices. And sometimes it's hard for no apparent reason. We do live in a broken world. And we know that sin, all of our sin, has affected our planet and our communities. Yet we also know, if we read the scriptures, that Following Jesus is sacrificial, it's inconvenient, and it's countercultural. God uses hard pathways to help, well, encourage his kids to go to him. He wants them to feel God's arms and the shepherd's presence. So that even when we go through dark valleys, we don't have to be afraid. 
Because our God, our Good Shepherd, is close beside us. God desires that we would grow in our faith and depend upon Him. And usually hard times do that. And lastly, God wants our relationship to grow deeper and more intimate. Hard times often drive us to Jesus. We listen to Jesus differently. We respond to God quicker. Hard times are good for us. That's why we can be joyful in that. God does desire that you believe his promise and stay on course. In Romans 8, 28, Paul writes this, and we know that God causes everything, everything, everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. God will use every hard time to benefit us, even if we don't see it. God blesses those who endure. So don't give up. Be joyful. Embrace these difficult times so that you might feel God's arms in a new, in a fresh way. This truth, especially in this day, will give you wings. Second truth I'd like to focus on is that God's word is critical. Let me read again from James 1, starting at verse 19. Understand this, dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and the evil in your lives, and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts. For it has power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. But if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. James says this, be quick to listen. When God's word is opened, when you read God's word, when you listen to God's word, be quick to obey it. Respond to it quickly. Be eager to put it into action. Don't drag your feet. You know, I've noticed one of the things in this pandemic is that um, many of us are rebelling a little bit, and sometimes a lot, against the authority. Nobody likes being told what to do. No one likes while getting advice from our leaders that we have to stay at home, that we have to wear masks, that we, and the list goes on. 
And some of us are just fed up. Okay, we're not going to listen. We're not going to do it anymore. I think sometimes that happens with God. We have a tendency sometimes, well, not to listen. To maybe think God is a little old-fashioned or God doesn't understand all of my circumstances. But James says this, be quick to listen. Be quick to obey what God is saying to you. Then he says, be slow to speak. I think he's sharing this in the context of teaching. Be slow to teach. In other words, I think, listen really, really well. Talk a little bit less. Quit pontificating. Talk less and listen more. And then James says, well, be slow to get angry. And in this context, he's talking about slow to get angry about God's directives. When God opens our hearts, our minds to his word, and he reveals truth to us, we ought to be grateful for good guidance from dad. You know, there's nothing like being lost. All of a sudden, you really listen carefully to your GPS. Or you make a phone call. Or you look intently into the map. Because you want to be able to know where to go, when to turn. You want to get to your destination. It's interesting. When we're not lost. When we think life is just good. A bowl of cherries. We have a tendency not to listen very well. We can try new things. We know the best way. But God says this. Be slow to getting angry when I give you my directives. Let the word of God change you. I am giving you this truth so that your life would be transformed. I'd like to play a clip for you from The Chosen. Now, let me explain. Season one of The Chosen has just been released. Sharon and I are loving it and actually now watching it a second time. But The Chosen, at least season one of The Chosen, is following Jesus and his disciple-making. Uh, like any media presentation, the director takes a few liberties. But Sharon and I are enjoying this rich experience of watching Jesus and the disciples interact with the Romans, with other Pharisees, with um, the people of their day. And you know, uh, the clip I'd like to show you is the demonized Mary of Magdalene meets Jesus. And Jesus speaks to her. And her life is changed forever. Let's watch. Mary, 
of Magdala. says the Lord who created you and he who formed you. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You your life forever as we listen as we obey God changes us in fact the apostle Paul talks about the word of God in Colossians chapter 3 verse 16 Paul writes this let the message about Christ in all of its richness fill your lives teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives Speak, uh, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. You see, if you let the Word of God be a priority in your life and you receive it and you let it do its work and it changes you, casual is never acceptable. So many times, we actually have quite the casual approach to the scripture. Whether it be a sermon or whether it be a podcast or whether it be even in our devotions. We sometimes open up the book and read the words in order to, well, just get credit, I guess. Instead of letting the word of God sink into our hearts. And to ask how God is using this to change us. The Holy Spirit uses it to convict us of actions and of thoughts. So many times God's word, when we receive it, well, illuminates the sin and the rebelliousness in our hearts. And we're able to respond quickly and to confess. You know, I love it um, when we have certain people in our community that are newer to faith. Because one of the earmarks of those who are newer to faith is they look at God and his word so very, very differently. You know, I got an email from a young couple just the other day, and they shared with me, oh, Rick, we, we miss the fellowship at Crosspoint so much. But what we love doing, every night when we have supper, we are playing the huddles, the Crosspoint huddles. And we are listening, and we're talking about it, and responding. And 
trying to understand what God is teaching us through the leaders of Crosspoint Church. I also have other contacts with this very couple. And oftentimes as we begin our times together, there are questions, there are lists of things that, you know what, I was listening to this message. Or you know what, I was opening up God's word and I'm a little confused here. Can you help me understand? There's such great excitement to not only hear and understand what God's word is, but to be able to apply it to their lives. Do you remember when the scriptures were your bread? When you couldn't wait to open them up? When you heard God speak to you and it changed the way you thought and the way you acted? The third truth that James hits is that words matter, but actions reveal your Lord or your master. Let me read again in James chapter 1, starting in verse 26, and then jump to James chapter 2. If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourselves, and your religion is worthless. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith and don't show it by your actions? Just as a body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. You see, faith changes our behavior and especially our speech. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that everyone who becomes part of God's family changes radically. Now, once you put your faith in Jesus, you become a brand new creation. All things are new. Now, there's some things, again, that don't reflect God well when we come to faith. And God uses, well, his relationship with us to chip away the things that don't mirror him well or don't glorify him well. But the tongue, as James puts it, shows our maturity level and our dependence upon Jesus. The tongue, it takes a while for God to completely change how we speak to others or about others. Words can often destroy and injure and can be so caustic, so ascetic. Things that we say can just eat away other individuals. But as we spend time with Jesus, we look more and more like Jesus. We talk more and more like Jesus. Earlier I read from Romans 8, 28. Well, I'd like to read from Romans 8, 29, the verse that follows. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. What Paul is just saying is that each one of us, once we become part of God's family, as we spend time with God, as we respond to his teaching and his principles, 
he chips away those things that don't reflect him well. We are becoming more and more like Jesus as we spend time with Jesus. You see, humbly doing good works prove you are wise and understand God's way. The fourth truth. Again, we're going through all of these rather quickly because each one of these truths we spent a whole Sunday on and we're able to dig in a whole lot deeper. But I just thought again that we just maybe get some highlights and reflect. Let's bask in some of these truths one more time. The fourth truth is this. Come close to God and he will come close to you. In James chapter 4, starting in verse 7. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. You know, coming close to God shouted to a Jew. This was so different than what they've been used to. Coming close to God really was only reserved for the high priest ultimately once a year. Or maybe the priest that worked in the temple or the tabernacle at one time. But James says this, you can come close to God. You can actually have a relationship with God. But coming close to God means this. That you have to confess often and quickly. The psalmist writes in Psalm 66, starting at verse 16. Come and listen, all of you who fear God, and I will tell you what he did for me. For I cried out to him for help, praising him as I spoke. If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would have not listened. But God did listen. He paid attention to my prayer. Praise God who did not ignore my prayer or withdraw his unfailing love for me. You see, a mark of someone who walks with God, who has boots on the ground, is that he or she confesses often simply because we sin often. When the Holy Spirit convicts you, you confess, you own it, you recognize that your way is not God's way. James said in, in James 1, and, and we read that just earlier in this message, to be quick to get rid of the filth and the evil in your life. That is confession. He says, wash your hands, be clean. Don't let this infect your life. Let there literally be tears and grief when you sin. 
mourn over your actions. Recognize that you've offended God and that you've hurt others. My question is this. When has this happened in your life? Does this need to happen? Have you been frolicking through life not recognizing the times you've been disobedient or sinned against God and others? If there hasn't been mourning, if there hasn't been grieving over your behavior, or in my case, my behavior, do I treat sin or disobedience casually? James says authentic, people with authentic faith. There are times when they're overwhelmed by their rebelliousness and they mourn and they grieve their actions. James said this, humble yourself means following your leader, listening to God, responding well as we do life and we live life and we open the scriptures. Humble yourself means you follow your leader, that God really is your leader, that you are not the boss, that you actually listen to his words and respond to his words. See, then God lifts you up. He restores you to a right standing with both God and men. And then he says this, resist the devil. Resist the devil. Fighting the lies with truth so that the devil runs. We had talked about memorizing God's word, being able to use this in everyday activities. Be able to shout truth to the enemy so that the enemy's lies cannot maim you, hurt you, dissuade you, but that you are strong. The last truth I'd like to focus on was all about last week's message. But that is prayer is a one-two punch. It's the left jab and the right uppercut that brings so much damage in the boxing ring. Prayer is critical in the life of every believer. Those who have authentic faith will pray. Let me read James chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and to pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful 
results. James really shares his heart in these verses. He says, are you going through tough times? And, and yes, I know you are going through tough times. Pray. Go to God quickly. Don't wait. Don't think you're tough enough. Talk to God about your situation. He says, are any of you in good spirits or cheerful, even in spite of these hard times? Praise the Lord. Thank God. And then the sentence that we spent a whole lot of time on. Are you sick? Or I've shared with you a better translation would be, are you weak? Are you exhausted? Are you weary? Are you depressed? Are you defeated in your spiritual life? Does the enemy seem to be winning? James says, call for the elders to pray. Have the elders surround you, and in the name of Jesus, pray for healing and strength so that you might be healed. In some ways, I think our elders should be busier. I know the struggles. I know the hurts. I know the times when we are so defeated and deflated. But some of us, again, try to tough it out. Or some of us, again, feel we're strong enough. But the battle's intense at times. Call the elders. Call these spiritual leaders. May they pray for you. You know, I had a conversation with someone just this last week. And they said, do the elders have to be present during this pandemic? Can they pray for you? Um, yeah. I guess over Zoom. I guess the question startled me for a moment. I said, of course, elders can pray, whether it's over Zoom or in the same room. And then James says this, and this is a hard one for so many people, but it's so important in the community. He says, confess your sins one to another. Not, as I said before, as some priest in a confessional booth. But own your shortcomings. Own your sins. Let others who are doing the journey with you in on this journey. Admit your sins to one another. Let me read it again. James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Pray. Pray for those in your community. Pray for those in your family. Go to God's throne room boldly. We're in a war. The battle is intense at times. There are casualties all over. And James says, pray. 
Pray. Go to your Father on behalf of others. Pray for them that they might be healed. Remember the powerful prayer of a godly person has great power and produces wonderful results. Who doesn't want power? And to have their words literally give wonderful results. So pray. This Tuesday, this upcoming Tuesday, is the time that Cross Point Church, the community, gathers to pray. We still aren't meeting in our worship center or here at church. But I would encourage you to pray with the rest of the community here at Cross Point. We'll be sending out a shepherd staff and giving you instructions once again. But I hope you can join us as we pray for others in our community. I'd like to end this message series with Jesus' words. Words that I know affected James. But Jesus ended these words when he ended the Sermon on the Mount. It's found in Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 24. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on a bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Jesus said this. Do you, do you want to be wise? Do you want to be wise? Then listen to my teaching. Follow what it says. Because when the storms come, and they will come, if you are listening to me, if you are walking with me, if you have authentic faith in me, you will remain standing, no matter how hard the waves hit or the wind blows. You will be strong. But if you want to be in charge, if you want to be foolish, don't listen to me, God says. Live your life the way you think is best. But I'll tell you the result. When the winds come and the rains fall and the waves hit your house, it will crash. Oh, would we be a church whose words and actions draw people to Jesus? not away from Jesus. I, I pray that this study shook you up. I do pray that you'll take time, even today, maybe this week, to reflect, to journal, to even call somebody because you need prayer or accountability. 
I pray that you don't move too fast away from James. I pray that you sit there with James for a while and continue to let it affect you. The way you think, the way you talk, the way you act. You know, I know it's Mom's Day today. But one of the things my wife has been doing during this pandemic time is, is purging and going through old notes and cards and, and different uh, memoirs that um, we have stored in our basement. And one of the notes that she read to me happened, uh, well, was written about 33 years ago. It was written during a time that my dad passed away. And uh, this was one of the cards we received from one of my dad's close friends. And this is what Elaine wrote. She said this, What a special dad the Lord gave you. He died with his boots on, truly the way he wanted. You know, I guess that's what I want. However long God gives me, I want to die with my boots on. I want to be in the battle. I want to represent my God well. I want him to chip away all the things that don't reflect him well. And that I will stay on mission. And that he will bring himself great glory. May we listen to our Lord. May we all be wise. And may our reputation grow as a community, as one that has their boots on. Next week, we're going to start a new series. We're going to be opening up the book of 2 Corinthians. I hope that you'll be able to join us. The theme there is amazing, but really... I guess if I would put it in a few words, it would be God's strength in our weakness. I'm looking forward to that new study. And trust that this week, you'll keep focusing on the book of James. Let's pray. Father, we do come before you humbly, recognizing our need for you every moment. Help us in our confusion. Help us in our weakness. Help us during the days when we doubt that you're around. Fill us with your truth. Transform us, Father. We love you. And pray these things in your Son's name.